Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode, of course, of Stephen Covey's Eighth Habit, baby. Episode number six, chapter two, The Problem. The Problem. Guys, we're going to dive deep in here. I'm going to make you go real deep in here. I read some stuff. I'm going to try to simplify some stuff. I don't know how I'm going to simplify it, but we're just going to go with it. We're already on episode number six. You know, that's how committed I am to change. Like, Robert Kiyosaki, I was like, uh, 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 this one, I'm on fire. I'm making sure I give you guys content, beyond content, beyond content. Okay, let's talk about some ages. Okay, we got the industrial age, all right? We have the uh, information and knowledge worker age. Um, we have the quality, we're going to call it the quality knowledge age. And before the industrial age, what was it? It was like a farming age or some shit like that. But let's talk about this first, okay? So... Think about it. Farmer is so productive that seeing him make enough money to send his kids to school and seeing how he gives them great opportunities, you go from barely surviving before that, little by little, you're drawn out to more of an intense learning process, like such as becoming a farmer. Like whatever they used to do before farming, I don't know what the fuck that was. I don't know if it was the Pharaoh age. Okay, I'm bullshitting right now. I'm bullshitting right now. Okay, but just hear me out. The Pharaoh age, okay, the the ancient Mesopotamian age, all right, caveman age. Oh, shit, that's right, the Stone Age. I forgot about the Ice Age. That's when everyone died. But anyway, so you guys understand what I'm saying? But when you see this farmer doing something, you're like, God damn, I can do the same thing. I can do the same motherfucking thing. So what you end up doing? Well, if you said fuck it, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Nothing based on skin here. Fuck all that. So then you end up raising your children, your grandchildren to become farmers. And it kind of just follows that system, right? If we go through all of that, if we look at it's kind of like if you saw failure in your grandparents, you end up becoming that, that failure. But because, again, you don't know any better, right? You don't look for extra age. This is why I ended up bucking the trend. I ended up starting a new... Why is that spider just sitting there? I'm so sick of these daddy long legs, seriously. It's crazy up in here. I gotta start doing something. Anyways, alright, let's refocus, let's refocus. My grandma, my aunt, is the only one that's really, really successful in my family. She lives out there in New York. She makes, ooh, I don't know how much, but let's say she makes between fifty and 80000 a year. Which is a fucking crazy significant amount, being that it's in my family, number one. Number two, okay, whoa, that's not that much for New York. But still, that she doesn't have a car or anything. She lives a very, very comfortable life. And she's been taking care of my grandma since fucking the late 80s. Since my mom ended up trekking all the way, not trekking literally, but went to New York. But think about it. She bucked the trend by staying in New York taking care of my grandma. But if we look at my mom, okay, my, my mom dropped out of high school. Uh, 10th grade. My father graduated high school. Rancho High School. I went there too. He, he had the, 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 the school record for the 100 meter run. You know, I wish I would have broken it and said, fuck you. But anyways, I didn't go through with that. I ended up being a hurdler. What that? <laughs> Can you guys imagine? That would be amazing. Um, but looking at the systematic approach, it wasn't my grandma who was was who wasn't successful it's my mom who ended up creating a trend going out there to america and both her and my father they didn't know any better if you look at when that what what walena buck um i think to be honest with you i do believe that she was a slave 
um, seeing some of the pictures, I'm like, yeah, for sure. And looking at her grandparents, who knows what would have happened, uh, what had happened to my great grandparents. But that was for my father's side of the family. He didn't know any better. However, my mother's side of the family was actually pretty good. Emilio Santana. Yeah, I saw him probably two, three times in my lifetime. Last time I saw him was probably around 2002 or something like that. He was, he was very successful. But I do believe that he ran some illegal businesses for sure to have that much money. When I went to his house in Las Vegas, I'm like, bro, look at this pool. Look at this home. Look at this staircase. This fucking chandelier. Emilio Santana. That's right. Um, Anna was my, my mom's stepmom, kinda. That was the man that my, uh, my, uh, you know, they brought, okay, Luz Santana and Emilio Santana. I'm giving you guys a crazy story here. But, you know, they ended up splitting up. My grandma, my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa only saw two times, so I don't really have a grandpa, right? I hope he's still alive and well. I hope so. Um, oh, Tito! Tito Santana, by the way, that's my... My uncle, I have a lot of family out there in Puerto Rico. Who knows what the fuck they do, though? I'm scared because I'm scared. Boy, I'm about, oh, shit, drugs, fuck y'all, I'm out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Puerto Ricans, boy. Um, it sucks because they never got in contact with me. Only my father's sorry-ass side of his family. Anyways, in saying that, <laughs> he had a big house. He had all that stuff. So from my mother's perspective... The, the, the thinking outside the box or making money, but money wasn't scarce from my mother's perspective, from my mother's side of the family, but my father's side of the family was. So by the time the both came together, money ended up being very scarce because my mom broke that trend of success. My aunt, my grandpa, Emilio, okay, Abigail, they had great money. But my mom, she ended up living in poverty coming back out there to America. She met my father at some point. I don't know when. Early 80s. 80, 81. Ended up making a baby. Boop! There goes Quintina. That's my oldest sister. Oh, shit. That's right. But, guys, they still lived in scarcity. We lived in a studio apartment in downtown Las Vegas. I remember this very, very vaguely. 1990, 91. I remember I walked into a McDonald's. I remember playing the game Qbert on the Nintendo. Not the SNES, guys. We're talking 9091 here. But then my bro- my father, just like my brother, he's a compulsive gambler, right? He loved betting, uh, you know, games and stuff like that, uh, football. But guess what? He scored big. He bought a house. He bought a house in 92. We moved into a house which we labeled as the blue house. But again, money was still scarce. My father was the security guard at Silver Nugget, a bullshit-ass casino. My mother worked at Savon's Drugs in the pharmacy. She was not a pharmacist. She was just an assistant or whatever they do, a front desk clerk. So yes, it's generational. So what did I learn? I bucked the trend. I was just like my mom. I was a trailblazer. I said, man, fuck, fuck y'all. Okay, Steven, you became a smog tech, but you ended up getting fired for doing illegal smogs. So fuck you. You're going to be back. Okay, he ended up going into the NHL. Um, he plays for the band, uh, the, the, the drum line for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Fantastic. And he had a daughter. Fantastic. But I do hope that you buck the trend. You're not like your father. Please, 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 please. That's all I could wish the best for Ava. Now. I will send all my love to that girl telepathically. I'll probably never meet her until after she's 18 and perhaps she'll see me on TV somewhere. Who fucking knows? But anyways, or maybe on the Forbes list. Uh, And so, I reach high, people. And so, looking at that, looking at my oldest sister, 
she thinks going back to school, getting these little bullshit-ass certificates are going to help her. I think she's a medical assistant, which is good. So, I mean, again, you, you make the wage that my mom made. You make the wage that dad made. Steven can't save a goddamn dollar. My sister, I think she's the only one that's thinking a little bit outside. I think she gets a little bit more, but nothing like my aunt. She gets nowhere near as much as my aunt does. I don't know how my old my mother bought a car, a fucking 2017 Dodge Dart. I don't know why she bought a car at the age of 60. Again, poverty mindset. But in saying that, guys, going back to this, this is the learning process. You raise your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. They kind of follow a similar trend. I ended up getting, let's just say, the Emilio Santana and the Abigail Santana jeans. Because I'm like, man, I'm going to go do my thing. That's why my grandma ended up referring to me as the, you know what, that's why I love Arsenio. Because he knows what he wants and he goes out and gets it. Lou Santana at the age of 88, she said that. And I'm like, oh my God, that could make me fly. Those words, I, my, like my level just goes, just skyrockets. Because she knows more than anyone else in my immediate family. You guys are probably going to hear that in the podcast coming up real soon. Because I know I just said that. So, that's what happened in early history, and that's what happens today. And, you know, it's kind of like the white woman that says, you know, I just don't understand why black people just keep doing drugs and do this, and they know what's wrong. But if that's all they've been around, they don't know any better. None of my family knew better to make more money. Money always came as a scarcity. It was always a problem. It was always a hindrance in my family. When my brother made a significant amount doing the smog technicians and those uh, those smog in cars and stuff like that, which was forever. That job's going to be forever because everyone has to take their car for a smog check to get, you know, to pass their car. And so my brother, he failed because he wanted, he got greedy again, just like my father did illegal smogs, lost his license. Goodbye. So that, that Dodge, uh, that Dodge supercharger, that house, everything's gone. He went back to nothing. You could only imagine how that feels. And then, boom, his younger brother ends up coming back from Australia and being on top of him. Yeah, he's going to be extremely pissed off. So, again, this is what happened. There was a downsizing of hunters, which was before the farmers and gatherers. Over 90% of them, they lost their jobs. Boom, they became farmers. And then after farmers, well, here was the industrial age. So people started building factories. And they learned specializations, such as, you know, the delegation and scalability. This is how you scale your business. They learned how to make raw materials and an assembly line. Of course, we all know the Rockefellers, at the, you know, um, the steel corporations at the beginning of the 1900s, right? They were able to operate at very high levels of efficiency, so, again, the productivity, productivity of the industrial age goes up 50 times over the family farm. Now, if you are a farmer producing 50 times more than hunters and gatherers, and all of a sudden you see the industrial factory rise up, and they start outproducing you, what would you say? Would you say, I'm going to continue doing this? Or are you going to say, fuck that, I got to buck this trend too? You're going to become jealous, possibly even threatened. Blockbuster was never threatened. They were never threatened. And that's why Netflix took them out. But again, you would need, if you wanted to become a player in the industrial age, you would need a completely new skill set and tool set. That is all. And again, with that comes a new way of thinking. 
So, the fact is that the factory of the industrial age produced 50 times more than the family farm. Okay, And over time, 90% of the farmers were downsized, just like the hunters and gatherers. And those who survived in farming took the industrial age concept and created the industrialized farm. Okay? So, today, only 3% of people in America, okay, are farmers. And guess what? They produce most of the food for the entire country. I don't know about much of the world. Because, again, Vietnamese, they're very self-sustainable. Thailand, they're extremely self-sustainable when it comes to water and food. And this is why it's so important. If imports and exports completely slash in your self-sustaining country, such as, like, Bhutan... You're like, oh, shit, what's going on out there? Oh, shit, COVID? All right, well, fuck it. We're closing borders. We're self-sustained. You see what I mean? Gotta, you got to think self-sustainable, but at the same time, increasing your skill sets. This is some very important fucking knowledge. So, going from the industrial age. Now we're, enter- we're entering the information and knowledge worker age. Right? So, are we looking to outproduce the industrial age by 50 times? Well, guess what? There was a guy by the name of Nathan, okay? He was the former chief technology officer at Microsoft. He put it this way. He said, the top software developers are more productive than average software developers. Not by a factor of 10, 100, or even 1,000. We're talking 10,000. The quality knowledge work is so valuable that unleashing its potential offers organizations... An extraordinary opportunity, okay, for value creation. So, do you think the knowledge worker age is going to be downsized 90%? Now, if we look at it right now, outsourcing, unemployment trends, obviously with COVID, it's just a tip. These These trends, they have become a very hot political issue right now. You know that. Because, well, I was just reading in the book, by the, 20, the 2030s, 40% of jobs in America will have been automated by the early 2030s. These people have no idea that their jobs are going to be completely wiped the fuck out by the early 2030s. What are the first jobs? Well, we could go from there. Okay, that's another whole conversation. The reality is that much of our losses in the industrial age jobs have less to do with government policy and free trade agreements and the fact that there's a dramatic shift in the economy and, of course, the knowledge worker age. We know that skill sets are here. Universities, they're fucking finished by the early 2030s. They're in debt. They're, they're clinging on to life support. They're going to have to downsize significantly. They're going to have to, like, reduce the amount of acres because guess what? People are going to realize, man, this business administrative certificate isn't going to give me a fucking job anymore. Only thing you can do, you need your teachers, you need your lawyers, you need your doctors, you need your nurses. They're only going to be schools for specialists. So then there's going to be a lot of competition. Schools that didn't have dental school now have dental school. Schools that didn't have a medical school now have a medical school. Like UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, just got to medical school because they know. Well, they'd be like, man, everyone's going to get a medical school. We might as well just start now. So again, do you think this is going to be threatening today's workforce to learn a new mindset, a new skill set, a new tool set of this new age. Imagine what it's going to take. Imagine what it's going to take for you to be a player in this era. 
Imagine what it what it will require you or require of your organization if you have a business right now. To top off this podcast, you know, going back to, of course, what I talked about just in a previous podcast, which you guys are going to listen to on the Monday. Oh, I'm sorry, on the Saturday morning of the 27th. Um, very powerful stuff. I ended up, you know, thinking about it and I'm like, okay, so I'm sitting here in front of a sales girl. I'm like, why do you want to learn English? Oh, blah, blah, blah. Of course, she dropped out in less than a month. You know, this is how they normally are out here in Thailand. You're, they're not committed. They don't have a powerful why. But I said, okay, so what business do you have? Oh, okay, well, I have this business. I'm selling this. We have three restaurants. I'm like, God damn. She's like, oh, I live around here. And I'm like, you live in this area? And I'm like, well, the only condos I know in this area is Mahanakon, which is one of the most expensive condominiums in Asia. Okay. You got Ashton, which is another second runner-up. Fucking beautiful beyond belief. You guys have no idea. These condos are better than anything America has ever produced in the last 100 years. Straight up. Go look it up. Maha Nakon. Okay? And then look up Ashton. Ashton Chula. You look that shit up, you're going to be like, fuck me, I'm going to Thailand. There is no and, ifs, or buts. Now, in saying that, it had it, it, the COVID forced her to be creative. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say, well, I don't have time right now. My restaurant just got shut down. We're going takeout only. We need a driver. We got to hire a driver. Okay, we need this. Okay, we got to do this. Okay, we got to do that. This is a girl that studied her, studied her master's degree out there in English. She's a fucking thinker. Very, very quick with it. And her husband. So best of luck to her. I don't know what's going on now, but I know she ended up sustaining herself because she, she has a condominium at the Mahana Coin. She has a personal driver. So you can only imagine what is going on, and that's what I love to be around, those types of people, because they're fucking thinkers. So think about it. Again, what's it going to take for you to develop that new mindset, skill set, tool set of this new age, the age after COVID? Stay tuned for more, guys. I got a hell of a lot more coming. Over and out.